There we go. Woo. A.W., you talk really low because I'm really loud and it's down here. <laughs> Maybe. We might be able to figure that out. Um, I just wanted to say I've known Brother Paul for years on and off. I met him at uh, First Baptist Paisley years ago before my children were born, actually. And uh, like I said, he, he used to be you know, running pews and jumping. And No, I'm kidding. He never run the pews. <laughs> but uh, he's a great man, great man of God. And I know you're going to enjoy him this morning. Uh, what else? Oh, I told him. We're Baptists. We don't believe in rocks that roll. So, yeah, y'all get that on the way home. Come on, Brother Paul. It's all on you. Everybody, everybody hear me? You will. <laughs> you notice we, uh, me and Vicky get to go to different churches every once in a while and look around and uh, you get a feel for a church when you walk in, and uh, the size does not matter. Uh, God always looks to hearts, and uh, I, don't, I don't say this to every church, but when I walked in, I told Vicky, I said, these people love Jesus, and uh, that's the main point of a church is to, is to fall in love with Jesus and to learn how to fall in love with Jesus more and more each day, and, and uh, I know you're, uh, uh, we, you've got a lot of room to grow. Isn't that good? You know, I, I was a pastor for 14 years. I'll get over away from the TV. Maybe that's doing it. I don't know. Well, I was a pastor for 14 years, and me and Vicki, I just stepped down. Uh, Christmas Day was my last sermon. It was a church I loved very, very much. It was, I planted that church, and uh, it, was a, it was mostly young people, believe it or not. And uh, I, I never quite understood why God brought us so many young people, but a lot of them were the first church. And, and I'm, when I talk now, I'm talking about little kids, uh, maybe... 30, 40 of them or more, little, little young ones. And then we, did, you know, just right on up. And, and, and the average age is probably about 40 to younger in, our, in that church, which is very rare in today's church, isn't it? And so, and a lot of them, have, like I say, first church, we baptized 325 in the 13, little over 13 years I was there. Uh, it was, it was, uh, that's average about 25 a year. And I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you what God's doing. I show you the glory of God, what he can do in your church. And it was a little town called Nineveh. Everybody know Nineveh? Yeah, if God says go to Nineveh, you go to Nineveh, you get swallowed by big fish, you know? So you go to Nineveh. And so it was just a, it was an amazing time. We, we loved the church. We, we loved it. They made me pastor emeritus when I, when I left the last Sunday. Uh, it was very strange because uh, that was just, that was our home. And it still is our home. They sent me out to do this. We've been working on this ministry for four years. So almost four years. So it's called the Wilderness Way. And it's something that God gave me, and I, I, don't, I won't go into that right now. You'll read a lot about it. I have a book out here, and you'll read a lot about it through the book if you want the book. And I, I give books away. I don't try to sell anything. I like to give stuff away. I don't have enough for everybody here today. But if you love the study and you want to go through it with uh, your pastor or, or however you guys want to organize, we'll get books to you. All right? And it's about building a foundation. And see, what I, what I didn't understand, it took me years to understand that at the crossing, the whole time we were there, we were trying to save souls. It was, it was a church, we called it the church nobody else wanted because it was a church full of young people tattooed up and drugged in drugs and alcohol, but they were repented, sin, you know, repented from their sin and for, asked for forgiveness and become saved. And it was just full of that. And so people would walk in and they'd see these people, well, they don't look like church people. Well, maybe you don't look like a church person either. 
you know, and quit judging, you know. And so we, we, we want to just encourage the church, and that's one of the things God has asked me to do is I go out and, and try to bring this forth to the churches. And it's not just me and Vicki. There's other people involved with this, with this ministry too. Uh, and we hope that it grows as we get more time to, to get out here and go full time with it. It's not, uh, it's not your size that matters. It's the heart and how to build what matters. And God asked me to encourage pastors and encourage churches to net, let you know that he loves you and he's got a beautiful way to help you in your church. I don't care what the size of the church is. If it's a huge church, it can be bigger. If it's a small church, it can be bigger. Amen? It's just doing it the way God asked us to do it. And so we're going to start out this morning. We've got a movie clip we're going to show you here in just a minute. And I'll try not to get too excited. Uh, I always do when I get to preach. And I, just, I just love God. Everybody say, I love God. I mean, the only reason I, you know, the only reason I come here is because I love God. I, I, I get to talking to Jesus every morning, and I love Jesus, you know? I mean, that's, that's the whole concept of our, of our life. It's supposed to love God. Talk to Jesus and then listen to Jesus. And when you start listening to Jesus, he fills you up. And you don't need a high education. You, don't, you need Jesus. Amen? Everybody say, I need Jesus. And that's it. I know in, in Kentucky right now, you guys have probably been reading about that college at university. I mean, kids are young kids, not adults, young college kids. That ought to just give you comfort to your heart and soul that God's got a hold of young people. Amen? In Indianapolis last night, they had this thing called, what is it, Vicky Winter Jam or something? Our church, or my former church, took the teenagers and all these teenagers and thousands of them come together to listen to music because it's about Jesus. See, we, we get to thinking these little churches or these little different towns and, well, it's just us. No, it's not. God's got people working everywhere. And our job is to make sure we have the foundation and we're ready to go to build a church. Because if the church is not ready, and what I found out at the crossing, we built that church up within the first five years to about 170, 180 people. And it, but all of a sudden, Satan, you know how Satan likes to move in? You everybody ever seen Satan move in? He does, he does. And he'll start picking things off, picking people off. And so if the church is not prepared, we weren't prepared for that many people. And so Satan moves in because the foundation wasn't set correctly the way he wanted it set. And so I'm here to encourage you to learn about the foundation of God. That's all I'm about anymore. My whole entire ministry is the wilderness way and the foundations of God. Have you got the first thing up there? First. Okay, it's called The Power of the Word is what the title is today. In John 1, 1 is one of my favorite verses. I, I went to, me and Vicki went to Israel a few years ago. A, a young man that we know actually paid our way. Isn't that amazing? Free gift from somebody we know because we helped him along his journey with the Lord. We never asked for it. We never even knew it. He just calls us up and he says, hey, I'm going to take you to Israel. I said, what? Yeah. I mean, God does those things, doesn't he? It's amazing what he does. And then when I was there, I, 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 I got a ring and it's, it's on the ring is John 1, 1. I put that on there, and I, at the time, it's just one of my favorite verses. At the time, I didn't really know why, and then the wilderness way starts to form, and all these things start to happen. And in, in John 1, 1, it says, what we'll start out today is, in the beginning was the Word. Everybody say, in the beginning was the Word. I love for people to repeat the Bible after me when I'm reading it. I just love it because that way you're involved with it. Okay, now, in the beginning was the Word. Everybody say it, in the beginning. It was the Word, and, who, and it says here, and the Word was with God. Everybody say, and the Word was with God. Jesus was never separate, right? They're together. It's the Trinity. And it says, and the Word was God. And that's the most important part. Everybody saying the Word was God. 
Jesus is the Word. Everybody say, Jesus is the Word. Okay, so if He's the Word, how do we communicate to each other? What is the Bible full of? Everybody say, words. Words. How do we learn anything? Words. We have to learn how to comprehend things. That's what we're going to really talk about today is, is comprehension of the Word. It says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John 1, 5, it says, and the light, everybody say, and the light, shines in the darkness. Now, who's the light? Jesus is the light, right? And the church is his light. We shine, we reflect his light in this world when we go out. I don't care if it's one, two, three, it doesn't matter. You're reflecting the light of Christ. And it says, in the, and the light shines in the darkness. Now, the darkness is dark because it has no light. But a little, little dinky candle can bring out light. And that's the candle in your heart. That's the love you have in your heart. It can bring out that light. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not, what? Everybody say, did not comprehend it. Okay, that's a struggle we still have today. It's the struggle within the church still. We're not comprehending these words the way God asks us to comprehend them. And you'll understand this. There's this next thing, I want to show you a clip here, and I want to read this to you. Anybody know Helen Keller? Nobody, some of you know Helen Keller? Pat, no. Well, no, she's been gone for a while. <laughs> she was born in 1880 and died in 1968. As she was a child, a baby, she had a fever. And during that fever, it took, her, it took her eyes and it took her ears. She lived in darkness. No eyes, no ears. She could feel. That was it. Smell. But the, 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 the darkness was within her. There was no, no way to communicate with her. Fever took her ability to hear and see at an early age. She lived her life in complete darkness. But comprehension of just one word opened the world to her. She went on to speak and live a life of nobility in history. Patty Duke was Helen Keller way back when. It's a wonderful story if you want everyone to read it. And, and during her time, she said, when she started to learn how to communicate, we'll look at that, she said, I knew there was a God that just didn't know his name. But she lived in darkness and couldn't hear. But she said, I knew there was a God. I just didn't know who he was. Would you show that clip and then we'll get started on the sermon. W-A-T-E-R, water. It has a name. W-A-T.
she comprehended was water what does Jesus say about water isn't he the living water and the first word that she allows to know that God allows her to understand to comprehend is water because he is the living water it's amazing how God works isn't it and of course as soon as she learned that the whole world opened up to her and so what I'm going to show you today is we're going to start with the first stone with this is truth everybody say truth we'll get to that in a minute too but the first word, once you start to comprehend these words that I'm going to introduce you to today, the whole, whole word of God starts to open. A foundation starts to be put in place because it has to be put in place. Everybody says, well, I ask people, how do you get a foundation? And they, and they don't know. If I ask you how you got a foundation, you can give me different words, but a, an understanding of how a foundation is set in your life. Now, this is how what God gave me. There may be other ways, but this is what God gave me to take to the church. Let's get going here. Comprehending God's word opens our hearts to his word. We just saw that with Helen Keller. When she found out, she first wanted to know what a tree was. She wanted to know how to know everything. So when we start to comprehend God's word, of what that word means, I remember when I, when I first started digging into the Bible, really got serious about studying, I couldn't get enough of it. I just wanted more and more and more. I wanted to learn. Everybody say learn. I mean, don't you just want to learn who God is? I mean, to understand who the true Heavenly Father is, I wanted to learn. The only way I can learn is dig into his word. It says in Psalms 82.5, they do not know, nor do they understand. Everybody say they do not understand. Or they, or they don't comprehend. They walk about in darkness. And now that's the world. We know that. The world is walking around in darkness. And it's up to the church to bring that little light to the heart, to open it up to be a beautiful light. Amen? It's up to you. It's always been up to you. There's no plan B. It's always plan A. And plan A is the church. And it doesn't matter the size of the church. It matters the heart of the church. Amen. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. So that's that, what Psalms 9, 82.5 is telling us. We know the outside world is dark. It's unstable. In John 8, 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He is the light of the world. He repeats himself from John 1 again. He who follows me. Everybody say, follows me. This follows me is, is, is radical at times. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Everybody say it for me. Shall not walk in darkness. 
Okay, that's just like common sense, isn't it? Well, then tell me, explain to me why the church walks in darkness. Because don't tell me it doesn't, because I see it all over the place. You tell me why the churches are falling apart. Why it has no power anymore. It's because too many people within the church are walking in darkness. And they don't have a foundation to drag them out of that darkness. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Can you imagine that beautiful, peaceful voice? I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of what? You want the light of life? He said, well, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. It's, I don't ever want to just be doing good. I want to continue to love and to learn. Amen? No matter what anybody teaches you out of God's word, no matter what it is, it's always up to you. God will give you as much as you want of him or as little as you want of him. That pastor back there cannot force feed you. He can give you. It's up to the church. If you want this church to just blossom, and not not to make the pews full, but make the kingdom full. Amen? I mean, there's a difference. I'll be honest with you. I can fill up a church just like that because all I start doing is talking about prosperity stuff. Just give people what they want. But if you give them the true truth of what the truth is, they walk out. People walk out all the time on me, but it's okay because I'm giving truth and they have to listen to that truth. Maybe Satan needs you to walk out. I'll tell you what, if we ain't preaching the truth, bringing it into the Word, then Satan's bringing his in. And people, you better be preaching the truth. Let's go to the next one, please. Where am I at here? Truth. Everybody say truth. I'm just telling John, if you read the book, you'll understand how, this, how all this took place, how this started taking place. There's a, kid, there's a children's book, too. Isn't it good that we could teach our children the, the, how to build a, a foundation from here up? Why, why, what makes us say we have to start when we're adult? We could teach them here up. We have another book going to be coming out for young adults. We've got to do some research on that and get it written, but it's coming out too. It's teaching a foundation. So when they come up, they don't leave the church at age 18. They stay in the church and bring people in with them. But the church has done a bad job of teaching a foundation, and they say, well, the world looks so much better out there, and off they go until they're about 22, 25 years old if they ever come back. We need to do better. Truth is a stone that brings importance and urgency to every word in our foundation in Christ. What is truth? And we'll look at that in a second here. We just talked about the words. God communicates through words. And truth in today's world is what? Whatever you want it. But we have absolute truth in the Word of God, right? That's, that's what we live by. I have, nothing else, I have nothing to give you but absolute truth. I don't, care what the, I don't care what scientists say. I don't care what professors say. I don't care. This is what I care about. Because I know that they're coming in to infiltrate the church to make questions within our life. Is this really real? And if you don't have a solid foundation... You have a tendency to fall. Let me pray one more time, will you? Lord, Father, as we come before you, as we start this word of truth, Father, I just pray that you open up our hearts to hear through the Holy Spirit and not me today, Lord. I ask you just to bless this church with understanding of your truth and your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Truth is a stone. It's so important. I don't know how to... How to Every other word that I can give you in the foundation or wherever you go in the God's word, if you don't believe truth, you're going to struggle within your life. You say, well, what is truth? And this is a question Pilate asked. 
And I'm going to just ask you a question, brother. Why did Jesus come to earth? And I ask this question a lot. And people give me all kinds of answers, and a lot of them are right. There are a lot of them are good answers why Jesus came to earth. But in, Pilate, in John 18, 37, he gives us the reason he came to earth. And everything he did while he was on earth is part of that reason. And it says here, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should be, bear witness to the what? To the truth. Why did Jesus come into the world? To bear witness to the truth. Salvation, all these other things that we are so blessed with come through truth. Amen? And we're so blessed because he doesn't make it difficult. He doesn't make you have to go to school 20 years to learn how to be saved. You just believe on his name and you're saved, amen? But if you're saved, then you should want to understand how to grow and build that foundation. It doesn't just stop at saved. It's, that's just the very beginning. He's given us a beautiful way to know him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we grow in his name, amen? He said, I have come into the world that I should. Everybody say, I should. Bear witness to the truth. And what's bear witness to the truth? I mean, this heavy load is bringing... You know, truth's the first word of the foundation. These stones aren't light. You've got to put it in place. You've got to carry it around. You've got to follow Christ, amen? And it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be prosperity all the time. If you're looking for a blessing and look for a blessing to help others know Jesus Christ, not a new car. Somehow we got off to think blessings are all about us. It's not about us. It's about Him and helping others, Amen? He came in this world to bring truth, and without it, we have nothing. You have no salvation. You can't have anything. You have to believe the truth of who he is and what he is and what he says he is. He is the word of truth. Amen? He is the door to eternal life. Everyone who hears, hears everyone who is of the truth. Everybody say, of the truth. Okay, this is the part. Everyone who is of the truth hears. Everybody say, hears. You hear him speak. You hear him speak today. Amen? Because you're of the truth. I may not know a lot about the truth, but I'm of it. One of my first principles I love to give out, and Vicki knows this very well, it's not how much you know, it's how much you love what you know. Amen? You start to fall in love with the truth, and you're going to fall in love with all of God's stuff. Amen? His whole word. Is that the truth? Here's my voice. Everybody say, here's my voice. You know, some people, I don't hear God talk. You know why? You don't believe in the truth. You've got issues in your life, you're not believing the truth. And no matter what stone we go through, some intimate here, whatever I give you, whatever God gives you, it's because it will always go back to truth. Truth. We have the cornerstone, it's the very first stone in the Bible, which is Jesus Christ. You have to belong to the cornerstone. And every word after that is built on truth. In Matthew, it tells us about building a foundation, doesn't it? It tells us how to build a foundation, to build it on the rock. Not on sinking sand, but on the rock. Go ahead, Joe, the next one. Everybody all right? I'm not getting too excited for you. Believing Jesus. Everybody say, believing Jesus. Believing Jesus. What is that? <laughs> That's believing truth. I have to believe every word he says. That's believing truth. God's word is truth. Everybody say, God's word is truth. What you'll find out today, outside the church course, but inside of the church, there's parts of God's words they don't believe it's truth. They like to mark it out, never preach on it, tear it out, whatever they want to do, they don't believe it's truth anymore. 
And church, the true church, the remnant of the church, whatever you want to call yourself, it's time to stand up. It's time to build a foundation that God can build the church stronger. You know, God's coming back for his bride. Amen. Everybody say God's coming back for his bride. You know, I, I just, I, I want him to come back to a beautiful, beautiful bride that's not beat up. <laughs> that's beautiful and ready to accept him. That they've got everybody, everybody they know knows who you are. You belong to Jesus Christ. The bride's, the, the groom's coming back for the bride. And I'm the bride, I'm the church. And I want to be ready to go. I want everybody I know to be ready to go to meet that beautiful groom. Amen. And without a foundation, you're always going to fall. If Jesus said it, you can believe it. Everybody read that for me. If Jesus said it, you can believe it. Now, I'm pounded on truth a lot. I could pre- I could, um, believe me, I could preach days and days on truth, but right now we're just going to move on. In John 11, 38 and 44, you all have read this. Jesus is getting ready to go to the, getting ready to go to the cross. And he's going to do this beautiful miracle because people needed to see actually what they needed to believe. They needed to comprehend who he truly is. And see, in our lives today, we need to really comprehend. And the struggle we have with these words that I'm going to give you is we don't comprehend the importance of them within your life. But here Jesus, he says, then Jesus, again, groaning. Everybody say groaning. Groaning. I mean, he's got pain. And the shortest verse in the Bible is right here around this area. And it says Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. And it says, then Jesus, again, groaning. And everybody say the word again, again. Say again. Okay, that means it's not, I'm groaning. He's again groaning. In other words, he's having grief. Amen? He's the son of God. He knows what's getting ready to happen. But he's groaning. Why is he groaning? Because everybody around him is is grieving and sad. And he knows the truth. He knows he is the word of truth. He knows what's going to take place. And he knows some of them don't believe it. Because some of them, after this great miracle would happen, would leave and go back and tell the Pharisees what just happened. Not all of them would believe it. Even when their eyes are on it, they don't believe it. And Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave. See how they outline that there? It was a tomb. It was a cave. It gives you a picture of this mountain and a cave going into this mountain where Lazarus, his friend. Now, Lazarus is a great friend of Jesus, and so is Martha and Mary, his brothers, his sisters. They were great friends of Jesus. In fact, Jesus was called earlier, days earlier to come because Lazarus was sick, and he waited. He didn't go. And nobody could really understand that. He wanted to make sure Lazarus was dead. Good and dead. He wanted you to make sure you believe what you're going to see. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Everybody say, take away the stone. Man. I mean, you had stones just piling up on your life before Jesus took you stones out of your life, the junk out of your life. The stuff that kept you coming from coming alive in Christ. You know, we're dead before we know Jesus Christ, aren't we? I mean, we're dead in the flesh. He says, take away the stones. And Martha, the sister of him who was, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, but he has been dead four days. Everybody say four days. And Jesus is thinking, I, yeah, I know, I, I waited for this. I want to make sure you understand, everybody that's watching understand, I can raise the dead. It doesn't matter how long they're dead. He'll raise the dead. You know he's going to raise us up one day, amen? My spirit's heaven to heaven, but I'm going to meet this body again, not this body. Boo. Somebody. Some beautiful body. You know, about 6'3", you know? I don't know. It don't matter, does it? It don't matter what body it is but I know he's going to resurrect. Amen? I know I'm going to get a glorified body. 
And he's going to show them here. Lord, by this time, the stench, for he has been dead four days. In verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Jesus has been talking to him, but they didn't comprehend. Do you get that? Did I not say to you? Didn't I already talk? I've already been through this with you, but I know you haven't comprehended. You haven't understood what I'm trying to teach you, what I'm trying to tell you. And that's what happens with the Word of God, with the Bible. People don't comprehend the importance of it within their lives. Go ahead, please. In 41, then they took away the stone. Everybody say, then they took away the stone. Can you imagine? This day, there's probably a lot more people there that day than, than there is here, but all of you are standing up with, within this area, and it's hot maybe, and, 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 and this cave and the stone, and you know you put your friend in there four days ago. It's just four days, and I put him in there. I carried him in there. And you're telling me to take away this stone? So you've got all these people standing around watching what's taking place. Do they believe? I doubt it. Some of them might have, but I can tell you he's going to believe pretty soon. All of them. Whether accepted or not is a different story, but they're going to believe it. And I'll tell you who's really going to believe it. Everybody say Lazarus. He says, they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Everybody say, dead man. Now say it again, dead man. Yeah, dead man. Not a half dead man. Not a man that's got a cold or or is in a coma. A dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And he lifts up his eyes. He's praying to the Father. He lifts up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. Everybody say, I thank you. Isn't it a good way when we pray to always thank God when we start our prayers? Jesus did. It's a wonderful way to start. When you start to build this, 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 this foundation we're going to talk about, it's a wonderful way to always thank Jesus for what he's done in your life and what he's going to do in your life. You don't even know what it is yet, but you know he's going to do it because you have fallen in love with Jesus. You've got a foundation in Christ, and you know he's taken you somewhere you've never been before. Amen? I thank you that you have heard me because see, they're going someplace they've never been before, right? In verse 42, it says, and I know that you always, everybody say, always hear me. Does Jesus always hear you? He does. He always hears me. But, everybody say, but. Uh, There's two big words in the Bible that nobody pays attention to, and you need to pay attention to it's but and if. (laughs) There's some big words in the Bible, but and if. You'll notice that as you go through things. But, because of the people, everybody say, because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may, what? That they may believe that you sent me, that you sent me, Father. Amen? So Jesus is about to... Now when he had said these things, they're paying attention. He's got their attention. Amen? Amen? Some strong men are trying to get this stone away that was sealed or trying to get it away. There's noise. There's all kinds of things going on. Maybe there's some babies crying in the background. We don't know. But they're paying attention. He's got their attention. They're paying attention. He cried out with a loud voice. (laughs) What kind of voice did he cry out with? He cried out with a loud voice. It wasn't no, hey, Lazarus, would you want to come out? Come on out. I think I can do this. <laughs> was there any doubt in the Lord of Jesus' mind that he couldn't bring Lazarus up from the dead? 
Is there any doubt that in his mind that he can't bring you out of a grave? If you spend a little time with God and a little spend time with God's people in the church, you're going to find miracles that cannot be explained except through God. Amen? They're still happening. Miracles didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. They're happening right now. I've seen them over and over again. Cried out with a loud... Oh, I love that when he cries out with a loud voice. Come forth. He He cried out with a loud voice. Lazarus! Why did he say Lazarus? Why didn't he just say, come out? There's a couple reasons. You're right. If he hadn't said Lazarus, the whole mountain would have came. Well, it would have. Just think about it. <laughs> he says, Lazarus. He mentions the name. You know what? He knows my name by heart. I'm written down in that book. It's just one book, too. And those, there's one book of life. There's many other books, but there's one book of life. And he calls Paul. Paul, come out! See, I come out of the darkness. I come out of a dead life. And I came out not knowing what Christ was going to do, not understanding much of anything. I was raised in the church, but I didn't always live in the church. But when he called me out, I got serious with God because he got serious with me. Amen? One thing I want to just tell you right now about your church, and it's, it's, I don't know where God's taken me. People say, well, what are you going to do with the will of way? I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I will know when God tells me. Amen? I don't know what God's going to do with your church, but I know what he would want to do. He wants to win souls. It's not that he wants to bring numbers in. He wants to win souls. And he'll keep who he keeps and he'll let go who he lets go, but he wants to win souls. And he uses the church to do that. And he's about to win a bunch of them, isn't he? Can you imagine seeing a dead man come out of the grave? You know, I don't care if you've been embalmed. I don't care what you've been. I don't care if you've been cremated. When Jesus says, come, we're coming. Amen? We're coming. He's going to call you by name, and we're going. And the gray, he says here, Lazarus come forth in 44. It says, and he who had died, everybody said died. He emphasizes this again. And he who had died came out. He came, everybody say came out. Came, everybody say came out. Everybody say came out. Bound. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes. He was dead. And we're going to die one day. But I'm coming out. Amen? And his face was wrapped in a cloth. They, Jesus went in detail here to tell you exactly how it looked. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Everybody say, let him go. Oh my goodness. Everybody say, let him go. Do you know what that means? You're a born-again Christian, and God says, let him go. Let him go tell everybody. How many people do you think Lazarus said, I was dead for four days? He let him go. He'll let you go, but you've got to have a firm foundation. He didn't want Satan messing with you. I've seen a lot of new Christians just get on fire for God, and that's good. I'm not going to diminish that at all. But then I see them fall out of fire with God because they didn't spend the time building a foundation that we're called to build. Amen? And the church will struggle. Am I getting too excited? All right. I'm not jumping on any old pews today, but. Everybody say, once you get the truth. 
when Helen Keller learned out what life was about, water. She headed to the trees, she headed to the grass, she headed to her mom and dad, she headed to her teacher because she wanted to know. Amen? Once you get that truth in you and you believe it, God's word will open up to you like it's never done before. It's going to be a fountain of living water flowing through you. Amen? But that word of truth has got to come through the Holy Spirit and through God's word, and you've got to spend time with God. You've got to believe it with everything you've got. If you don't, Satan's going to come in and he's going to make you unbelieve it with everything he's got. Am I right time-wise? Once you get truth, you want it all. Everybody say you want it all. I didn't know I was going to be a preacher. I never cared. To, I never wanted to be a pastor, I can tell you that. Dealing with people. Ugh. Yeah, I got to deal with myself. I understand. I don't have time to go on all that story, but it's not about what I want. And if you want to know truth, and once you learn truth, you start to die to yourself. This was called to surrender every day to yourself. Because you'll soon find out it's not about me. It's always about him and what he wants. And until you understand that truly from the bottom of your heart, you're always going to add yourself into it, and you're always going to look at a low view of God instead of a high view of God. One of the things I love to preach at the crossing is a high view of God. I'm not a victim about anything, and I don't care what happens. I'm not a victim because God's got something to show me through it and grow me through it. Amen? It doesn't matter the sickness. It doesn't matter the death. It doesn't matter. God's got something he's wanting to build in your life that you've never known before. He can raise the dead. He can raise your sorrow to joy and victory. Acts 8, 31, 30 and 31, it says, So Philip ran to him. Now, you all know Philip's one of the great evangelists of all times. And God had a place for him to go, and he sent him over, and Philip ran to him. It was the Ethiopian. And Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He was reading God's word. Now, I'll tell you what. One of the things you need to learn is where God's working. Amen? You can spend a lot of time going somewhere where God's not working, and it just frustrates you, and it wearies you down, and it breaks you down. You've got to learn where God's working and join him where he's working, not where you want to work, but where he is taking you. Amen? And that's part of the foundation. You've got to learn these things. Are you just going to spend a, a, a too, many time, too many times and resources going where he's not working? If he's not working, you can't go. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, guess what, Philip knew that God sent him over here on a road, a desert road, there's no gas stations, there's no stoplights, there's no liftway, rightway, whatever. He's just going. He knew God was going to direct him. And when he heard the guy talking out of Isaiah, he said, there's God. Amen. And he knew who to go to. He's the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Can everybody read that for me? Do you understand what you are reading? We're back to that comprehension. Do you understand what you are reading? And the youth, he opened. He says, and he said, how can I unless someone, everybody say guides me. The Bible says we need the preachers and teachers to guide us, right? We need these things. We need people to help us understand and comprehend. 
poor little Helen Keller would have never lived life in the fullest she could live if she didn't have a teacher teaching her to comprehend the word water, the living water of Christ. Amen? Next one, please. Everybody's good, right? These are the words. These are the words that God gave me, and in the book it explains these words. I didn't put them in order. I never knew what I was doing. It was probably five or six words before I even figured out that it was some kind of foundation. I'll give them to you. First word is truth. Without truth, you, without truth, none of these words, they're, they're not going to matter. The second word is obedience. Everybody say obedience. And obedience is always tied with your faith. If I truly believe the truth of God, then I'll be obedient to the word of God. Amen? I'll be obedient to that. I need to learn obedience. And it's going to take a while to learn obedience. But whenever God asks you to do something you don't want to do, be obedient. Amen? Jonah wasn't obedient, was he? It cost him. A lot of people weren't obedient in the Bible. It would cost them. God wants to do blessings through you, but you must believe the truth and you must be obedient to what you believe. God's never going to give you more than what he's given you already. He's going to work with you with what you have. Amen? He's not going to ask you to raise somebody from the dead when you haven't even visited somebody in the hospital. It's just not going to happen. And if you're not winning souls here in your, in your own neighborhood, he's not going to ask you to be a missionary in Kenya. You've got to do it here. You're not going on vacation. You're going to win souls. Amen? You say, well, that's just tough, Pastor. Yeah, it is. But that's what it is. It's tough. Obedience is your second word. You must have, understand truth to have obedience. Glory is the third word. And I didn't put these words in order. God did. And I, I can explain it to you through the book or how much time you want to give me someday. But God did these things. I'll give you a first little story that I give everybody. Truth, obedience, glory. It's a pattern in the Bible. No matter where you go, what you see, you're going to see that God offers truth or giving truth, and he's going to give you an opportunity. Either he's going to tell you to be obedient by through a commandment, or he's going to give you an opportunity to be obedient. And every time we believe the truth and are obedient to it, we'll see the glory of God. We'll see the glory of God. Angels came down. That Christmas morn, right? They came down, they're singing peace on earth, and, and they came to the shepherds, the low of the low, right? When they came down, they told them what was taking place over here in Bethlehem. That's what they told the, the shepherds, right? That's all they told them. Messiah is going to be born over here. And with that, the shepherds became obedient. Never told them to go. They believed what they heard and what they saw. They believed the truth coming down. They were obedient, and they went over there, and guess what? They found a baby, a dirty little baby in a dirty little manger. But they found out he was the glory of God. They believed it. Truth, obedience, and there was glory, the glory of God right there in that manger. And the next word is love. And you know what the shepherds did? As soon as they found that baby, that glory, they went out and started telling everybody, didn't they? Everybody say, that's love. They're shepherds. Nobody wants to talk to them. But they went right out and spoke the truth because they were obedient. They saw the glory and love was next. Amen?
Now you go in the Bible wherever you want to and that's what you're going to find. When you're obedient to God's truth, you see the glory. Never touch the glory. If you touch the glory, the power's gone. Love is the fourth word. Wisdom is your fifth word. Like I said, you can read the book. I don't know how these words came to me in this way and then I started to understand why they were put in this fashion, in this order. If I don't have truth, obedience, and glory, and love, how can I have wisdom? I have wisdom because the world gives you wisdom and some kind of knowledge. Wisdom because I'm old age? Wisdom comes through these understanding, through these words. See, if you don't comprehend, if you don't comprehend the importance of words, which everybody say Jesus is the word, then you're going to miss the foundation. He can't build a foundation anywhere except through his word. Amen? So God has given me these 12 words, 13 count in the cornerstone, which is himself, to help the church build a foundation. Now, you have to dig deep. I mean, you've got to get a shovel out. We're building a foundation. However high you want to go with that foundation, you're going to understand how, how low you can go in the ground to dig it. Amen? If you want to put, put one little block around her, just one little, little bit of footers around her, and that's all you're going to get. But if you want to build a big building, a big ministry for Christ, then dig deep. Amen? Build that foundation. Don't just... Gloss over these words like they're not important because wisdom's all through the Bible. Love, wisdom, discernment is your sixth word. You know today before you walk out of here you're going to have to have discernment? You know, I'll tell you something I taught my church years ago and a lot of people laugh at me. I would, I would pray over what, what gas station to pull into. Because see, somebody at the gas pump next to you, you can smile and tell them about Jesus, that the God's working there. You just listen to their words, what they say. You can mention, hey, how's it going? And they say, come back nice, and you know, oh, I can go a little further, I can go a little further. And then you start to understand where they're at in their life, and it doesn't take long. Uh, many people, I've had conversations in the gas station about Jesus Christ. And if you just tell them how much Jesus loves them, that's going to work, Amen. Discernment is an important word, and if you don't get discernment through truth and obedience and glory and love and wisdom, discernment is the funnel. Everything flows through it. It's your filter. Everything flows. What you know about God, what you've learned, will flow through, and out comes the discernment from what you know. Amen? Humility. Big word in the Bible, isn't it? Doesn't it say you've got to be humble? How could it not be a foundational word? But how many people really understand humility according to God's word? Not what you think, not what the world is bringing into you, but what God's word is saying. Every one of these words, is, I, I give you a breakdown in the, in the PowerPoint of what the world says that word looks like and what the biblical definition of that word is. I want to be humble, but I don't want to be humble because of the word. I want to be humble because of Jesus Christ. Amen? I need to learn that. It's not something that, hey, you're zapped with humility. Well, you may be a little bit, but not all of it. Amen? Self-control, I preached on that last week, our last Wednesday night at church. People didn't comprehend these words. They don't comprehend the importance of them. And when I got done preaching on self-control, I had the, almost everybody in that church come up to me and they said, I never understood the importance of self-control. Well, it's a fruit of the Spirit, you know. But we look at it, well, it's just a word. I had a young man that's really involved with me now in the wilderness way, and he called me and said, Paul, when you started teaching me on these words, it was just a word to me. I didn't understand, I didn't comprehend the importance of these words. But when you put these words in your life, you mean your, your, your church is going to, oh, it's going to have a foundation. You say, well, how do we keep that going? Well, you have a Sunday, every Sunday, one Sunday out of the month, you got 12 stones, one Sunday out of the month, it's wilderness way Sunday, amen? 
So when new people come in, they're on the same foundation that you are on. Discernment, humility, self-control. Man, if you're not in God's control, you're in self, you're out of control. Amen? How many of you people know people are out of control? How many people know they want to control everything? Oh, you do? <laughs> we have that, don't we? You've got to control, got to control. Elvis Presley had to say, everything my way, and Frank Sinatra, my way, right? Worst song ever written. I know they made millions off of it, but it's terrible. If they would have sung that... God's way, man, oh man. Self-control is an important word. You can't have the fruits of the Spirit without self-control. You can't have a foundation without self-control. Perseverance. Perseverance. Paul talks about perseverance. You must have perseverance, but you would need to understand the biblical understanding of perseverance, the importance of it. You're going to have to dig deep. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. This is fun stuff. Amen? Forgiveness. Man, you say, well, forgiveness and repentance, they're way down there. I understand that. I know enough to ask God forgiveness to come live within my life, but it takes me a while to learn what the sin is in my life that needs to go out of my life. Amen? I don't think I ever quit, quit asking God to forgive me for stuff. Do you? I don't think I ever, ever once in a while I got to say, well, okay, I got to repent of that. I got to turn around and go the other way. I need, and the more I learn who God's word is, the more the foundation I have, the more I understand the meaning of forgiveness. You know, I know church people after church person will come to me, well, I can't, can't forgive my Uncle George. Well, first of all, it tells me they don't have a foundation. It's crumbled, it's broke. Somewhere there's something going wrong that they don't understand about the truth. Because I believe the truth tells us we must forgive. What, 70 times 70? We must forgive. Repentance, we just talked about that, and security. Security and truth are the two bookends that hold all these together. And security is important. It's not so much eternal security, although we have that. It's security in your foundation that you can go out and do what God's asking you to do. Amen? I must be secure in what God's doing in my life. I must be secure. I have to be secure in what God's asking me to do right now with the wilderness way. Is it going to be easy task? No. It's going to go way on. I can't do it all. It's going to take a lot of people. But I must be secure, and I am secure in my faith and the obedience I have in God, but he'll take care of everything I need. Amen? We're going to close here. Your takeaway. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Will carry you through life like a foundation built on truth of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Isn't that good stuff? I've given Joe a flash driver. Uh, this is uh, the children's book. I know you got some kids here. Man, start teaching them a foundation. It's good to teach them the whole Word of God, but teach them a foundation and don't stop. This is the adult book. Start learning what a foundation really looks like because if you don't know how you got it, how do you know what you got? Let me close in prayer. Lord, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this beautiful church, for these hearts that love you, Lord. And Lord, I know I've given them a lot of information in a short period of time.